Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Right, we're um, about earlier this year. We did a podcast special about "Give Us the Night" and the Irish nightlife economy, all the issues that are going on there. There's obviously been a lot of talk in Ireland and beyond about what is the value to the uh, cultural economy, what is the impact that music and creativity can have on a late night economy. Are we serving that correctly? Um, as part of that uh, whole um, conversation, I guess, the Give Us the Night campaign, which has been active for a long time, has really kicked back into gear properly earlier this year. Um, they released a mandate uh, detailing a number of things that they would like to see happen. And generally, there's just been a reframing of the idea that, you know, what happens at nighttime is actually important to people's well-being, to the economy, if you want to think about money, and uh, most politicians need to think about that. Um, so you have to speak their language. Um, but also, generally speaking, in terms of things like safety, public transport, all of these kind of issues are being brought into the equation when we're talking about the importance and the value of nightlife. Of course, I guess the Give Us a Night campaign essentially started really as looking for longer opening hours back in the day. It's expanded so much more than that. But there are still lots of issues. Now, I think we did it when the podcast came out. We talked to Stevie G from Cork. But there are a lot of differences in terms of the different cities and places in Ireland uh, and how they operate. So I wanted to get into a bit of that about how things are going in Cork in terms of venues in terms of the Give Us the Night campaign. So to help us do that, we have first uh, Jamie Bean from Give Us the Night and a DJ as well. Yeah. Say a quick hello. 
Uh, thanks for having me on, Nyler. Um, I'm not actually officially um, a part of Give Us a Night. I'm just an active supporter. You, you are now. <laughs> uh, no, okay, but you're you're familiar with what's going on with Give Us a Night. In um, yes, very much familiar. Um, Sonny O'Sharp, who uh, spearheads uh, Give Us a Night, he's a long-term colleague and friend of mine, so I'm very intimately familiar with uh, the workings of it and how the campaign is progressing. And... Uh, one of the big things lately is the government has proposed to put together working groups in Dublin and Cork to see uh, can we extend opening hours, in what way uh, can this be done to benefit everybody in society, not just not just having late night raves, because as you said, since it began, it has expanded into so much more. Yeah, However, that was a traditional idea that people thought that's all people wanted was just to have a later parties. And I know we're still we're still struggling with that idea that it, it, give us a night is just a group out to uh, at nightclubs open longer so we can keep playing techno into the early hours of the morning. But it's not. It's about providing spaces for people where they can go enjoy enjoy themselves outside of, let's say, the traditional Catholic Ireland-imposed opening hours. And there's things like the, like uh, let's say, things like the relics from the 1930s, like the Dance Act, which was brought in to, um, to restrict ja jazz music, which was seen as a, you know, it was seen as anti-Christian. This is the devil's music. And we're still struggling with these ideas in Ireland 80 years later. Yeah, there's archaic licensing yeah. laws that still need to be changed. So we'll get into that in more detail. We'll also introduce Sunita, who's in a van called Shukra, and you do the Points of Intersection as well on WDIS Radio. Yep. Um, I guess you've been around Cork for a while doing various different things, and uh, singing and, mm. and playing, so you're familiar in terms of the performer aspect, but also right, yeah. as a Cork woman yourself, you know exactly what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Well, now I was actually kind of saying I feel slightly like a trader because I've moved to Dublin in the last six months. But at the same time, <laughs> we'll say nothing about that. But at the same time, it's kind of just interesting to kind of see the progressions that have happened in the city in those last six months uh, in terms of venue spaces opening up and either expanding. And yeah, so, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's start with that. Maybe um, Hope is also here from Dali and Dali opened up, uh, reopened basically earlier this year in terms of the yeah. space. It was um, the PAV, and then we are also currently, obviously, in Kino, which was a, a space and venue that's been taken over and reopened. And then we've also had Cypress Avenue, which has doubled capacity in recent times as well. So what is it, are, how are we doing in Cork in terms of venues? Where are we at? Because those three things suggest that it's going quite well. Is that the case, or are we... Um, I'm going to try to be as political as possible here. <laughs> you don't have to be. Um, Dali is the only venue that focuses on the type of music that me and Jamie have pushed for the last few years. Um, nightlife in Cork is very commercialised. Um, every nightclub in Cork is top 40 music. Um, and every nightclub in Cork is owned by the same people who want to make money. They're not passionate about music. Um, my club is the only club that's passionate about music in the city. Um, everything else is a moneymaker, and that's the truth. Um, we're owner-operated. Me and my husband run this place. Um, music is everything to us. Um, sometimes they say it's like a very expensive hobby running Dali, because <laughs> like we, you know we're just so passionate about like about pushing underground music 
um, bringing new bands. We never want to bring the same thing. Um, what I do will never be about money. Um, Cypress Avenue does do some things. It brings really good bands. Um, it definitely, like, they do more of the bands lane than we do. We're much more electronic. Um, the Kino's great. What St. Luke's does is great. Like, there definitely is a better music scene in the city. Um, it needs to be better. There's so many really, really good promoters and DJs in the city right now. Um, and we're trying to give that space to them. Do you think then you're missing some of the smaller spaces, maybe some of the places that people would start out DJing or playing in? Is that are there still places like that out there that people can like do their first, second gig at those yeah. kind of places? Well, like we offer that space to people like, you know, we have Thursday nights Um, we do open deck nights Um, like we're constantly looking for new people. We know like I mean, I mean, like everyone, like including Jamie that we hang out with, like sits around and talks about music all the time that's all we do it's our passion and like we always want to explore newer people that want to get into DJing and like we have had people that like have played their first gig in Delhi so like I mean we're 400 capacity but we've no problem with putting new talent all the time into Delhi so, yeah. so then talk about you say like when I mean, obviously passion for music is a starter for a lot of projects from people but there is a lot of red tape and opening a venue so talk to me a bit about learning about all that stuff. Did you have experience with that beforehand? Um, I came from running raves. <laughs> um, I'd find any space I could. I got sick. I was traveling to the UK um, all the time, nearly once a month to go to gigs and I was sick of it. Um, everyone I knew was into music and I just thought we needed a space. Um, my first place was a sauna on McCartan Street, disused sauna uh, with no toilets. And <laughs> and then we moved to warehouses and then uh, we got approached by um, the owner of the ramen chains. Uh, he just bought the pav. He heard what we were doing and he financed everything, loaned us the money to open the place. And it definitely takes businessmen like him to see the passion and the talent in young people. I think people are really surprised that a young person is running a club and they often think, you know, that I work in the bar, which I do. I do everything in the club. But um, I think there needs to be more young people given a chance to be behind these venues. Um, a lot of the other venues here are run by older people. They're not current. They don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, so young people do need to be given a bigger chance. Definitely. But there is there is kind of a problem in, in that, you know, you kind of need a guardian angel nearly to come along and say, yes, okay, because I said so, you're, you're allowed to do this now. Like why not why but what what is it about electronic music and alternative music do you think <laughs> that gets people and by people I mean the government I suppose or local councils or uh, funding bodies so nervous I guess about letting these people out at night <laughs> well well yeah. I think that this is this is a hangover from the 90s um, basically, when the when the rave explosion happened in Ireland, there was a lot of things that maybe shouldn't have gone on, and um, the authorities at the time didn't know what they were dealing with, um, so things spiraled out of control. But these things have um, stuck in the memory of the authorities. So um, uh, electronic music and alternative music in general tends to um, be treated differently. And music, I don't care what anybody says, music of any form, it's art, it's culture. 
and it should be treated with the same um, the same level of respect as any other form of art. So, um, and that is one of the aims of Give Us a Night, um, is to try and bring uh, music and night, uh, nightlife and the music that goes with it, be it electronic, alternative, or whatever, um, to bring it to the same level, give it the same level of respect, the same level of funding, the same level of support that you see in other European cities, like Berlin, Amsterdam, uh, Glasgow re most recently, uh, started giving out grants to nightclubs to um, help them keep open. And uh, we haven't seen it really yet in Cork, but you've seen what happened in Dublin lately, where you get venues getting knocked down to build new hotels. That hasn't happened yet in Cork, but with, as gentrification increases, as, um, uh, let's say the city, yeah, the more they're trying to attract more tourists into the city, so you are going to see the city centre getting um, property in the city centre, leases going up, people getting clubs and businesses getting um, pushed out to make way for, let's say, more trendy things, more donut shops, whatever. Um, we do need to keep an eye on what will actually bring people to the city of Cork. Um, a it's always been a multicultural city. It's always been a place that's been recognised for its music, for example, going back to Rory Gallagher and you know countless other names, this needs to be this needs to be recognised because every city, as you said earlier, every city is different. But this is something that um, it doesn't seem to be. People aren't paying any attention, as as Hope said. Uh, a lot of the stakeholders in Cork are over the age of fifty, and no disrespect for them for what they've done for the city, but um, more attention needs to be paid to the younger generation of stakeholders like Hope here and what they're trying to do. Well, certainly that's one of the reasons why the idea of a nightmare, terrible name and all, but uh, Brilliant or, or name. nighttime advisor, what do you want to call it? Basically, that person is somebody who is the glue between those people who do not find themselves out at night, who are often out of the city before 6 p.m. and are not coming back till Monday morning, um, and the promoters and the people who are actually involved and participating in nightlife stuff. Mm -hmm. So that is one of the reasons why you, that idea of a nightmare has developed and is working elsewhere because you basically need somebody who can talk both languages, who can talk to a politician, but can also talk the language of a promoter and then make each other understand each other as well. So just giving them the context for why somebody's doing something and also kind of an arbiter as well between the two. I also think there's like a sense of instilling the value of cultural enrichment, um, even for the benefit of, let's say, a, a, you know, a corporate real estate person, because what I kind of see happening is that like there's a suction of like youth and people that will like, I think artists anyway have to be a bit scrappy in terms of finding spaces to do things and, you know, um, having somewhere where you can kind of listen to tunes, either DJing or playing uh, or whatever, you know, whatever it may be. But also kind of instilling the value of that, that like creating a scene like that is culturally enriching to the place, which makes it all the more attractive for other young people to come in that might not necessarily be from the artistic world, but might be people that want to live here and work in your companies and whatever else it is that you're building out, the infrastructure that you're building out in Cork or in Dublin or wherever else. And I think that there is possibly a better 
sense of like um, transparency over that in other European countries because you you know you have tourism there and you have scenes there that are recognized like Germany and Berlin for its techno scene and then there's like good infrastructure there to allow and enable and nurture that um, and like London and maybe Spain and Portugal not so much maybe they have their own localized kind of thing going on but um, as soon as you kind of have room for business people to kind of see that there is actually some value to them to provide some space that is unused you know for this purpose then you can kind of start to have like interesting conversations on the mutual benefit actually for for both of you and having that you know but that's the thing um the licensing laws need to change before any of this can happen um it needs to be taken out of the hands of and note again no disrespect to the guardie they have to work within the limit of the laws that they are provided um uh, and but it needs to be taken out of the hands of elderly men, superintendents and judges who have no no idea of this world, of a, the alternative music scene, the youth culture, they have no idea. And they have um, no real, they have the authority to judge a culture that they have no idea about. And as I said, no disrespect to them, but um, this needs to change. Um, but also for this to change, it cannot just be in the hands of people in the Department of Justice. This needs to be at a, at a governmental level. This needs to be um, talked about seriously. The Department of Justice, uh, the C Department of Culture, tourism, uh, health, obviously, it needs to be and it needs to be pushed. There was an interesting point raised at the uh, last week's Ireland Music Week on a panel about. Um, are we demolishing Dublin? And it was Rebecca Moynihan, the uh, Labour councillor, was just saying, pointing out that actually because of the freeze in terms of the civil service and hiring, there's a lot of people who are of age and who are familiar with what's going on in terms of music who haven't moved further up the ladder because those there isn't a natural movement. It isn't more people being added. There isn't people leaving those jobs. So you're getting a real disconnect in terms of people who are in power who are actually are staying in power and they're not moving on because there's nowhere for them to go. Mm -hmm. So you get that a lot where it actually has it can have a deep impact on what's going on culturally in the city because those people are out of touch. And that is again why one of the night the idea of a nightmare uh, existing. And one of the things they were talking about in terms of earlier this year was um, a directly elected mayor, which earlier this year in the elections was rejected by Cork by 938 votes. So how do you feel about that? I mean, you agree with the idea that you need a directly elected mayor to, in order to, it certainly gives them more accountability in terms of if you're electing them directly then. Yeah, I am um, on one level, I was pushing, I was pushing for it myself and campaigning separately from Gives the Night for it. Um, but I, I had my reservations at the same time that you would get a directly elected mayor who would reject the idea of getting a nightmare or a night czar, nice, whatever you would like to call it. But um, the, I think um, things need to happen higher up, higher up the chain before we can move forward. And this is where I would propose the idea of campaigning, still campaigning to your locally elected representatives. Um, there hasn't been enough of that happening. Now there are plans for student pro student marches and student protests, and this is um, this is a good way. This is a way forward, 
But more and more of this needs to happen because it's not it's not just about um, going out at night and listening to music later. Um, it's about opening up spaces for people who are involved in all forms of art. And uh, basically, uh, be, like it's also to do with tourism, tourism as well. Like how many new hotels are being hotels are being built here? People come from all over Europe, all over the world, and they come into a city that um, once they've seen the Butter Museum at six o'clock, they have very less, le you know, very little. I left won't have do. anyone knocking the Butter uh, Museum. And <laughs> no, but they're they the people in power are framing this whole conversation around alcohol and alcohol abuse. But at the end of the day, um, there's very little left to do after six o'clock in the evening than go to a pub and go to a late bar until two o'clock in the morning. And then there's nothing of cultural value left to do. I think so that that's, that, that's a really good point in that um, something that I find in, in, in Dublin, at least, is that um, there are very, because there's such a kind of narrow amount of things that we can do now because everything is closing and all of our spaces are kind of not all of our spaces, but our spaces are disappearing at a very, very high rate. And if you were to open that up and if you were to actually embrace what happens after 9 p.m., you could go somewhere and not have to drink. Like there's, there's <coughs> one cafe in Dublin city centre called Accents that stays open until 11 o'clock. And if I'm meeting friends who don't drink alcohol, I, I meet them there and the place is packed. And, you know, it, it's it's not just about venues, um, it's not just about electronic music. It's not just, it's not only about these things. It's about trusting this generation to actually have a, a variety of artistic pursuits. Because I think that what happens specifically with millennials is that there is an inherent distrust of us. But the oldest millennial now is like, you know, late 30s. And we're starting to look around and be like, hang on a minute, we're adults. We should be allowed to actually decide what we want to do with our time. But because of, you know, housing crises and the like, um, there's there's an inherent distrust of youth, of alternative culture, and just people not being allowed to kind of make decisions for themselves. And that's what I've seen in, in Dublin. That's what I've kind of heard similar it's the exact in, same down the here. It's the exact yeah. same all over the country. Yeah. And um, without dwelling on the point of the the Gardaí, um, but there is uh, again this just what you just talked about the distrust of alternative culture and youth culture, and there's far too much power put in the hands of and I'm talking about outside of Cork now. What I've seen happen in uh, Waterford of late. A new superintendent comes in and wants to uh, basically uh, flex his muscles and just comes in and starts um, telling venues they have to close down earlier. Just uh, just this one man's just one man's authority because he wants to flex his muscles. This all needs to change. We need to have a specific licensing board that's built. It's a cro like a cross uh, cross section of people who are involved in tourism, culture. Yes, justice and health. A, a board of people who can um, make decisions that are best suited from different from ev for everybody. Yeah, but our licensing laws are tied to the alcohol licensing, so they're inherently linked, and that makes it very difficult. Hope in terms of a venue, then I mean, there's a few different hoops you have to jump through to get those late licenses. Obviously. In Cork, the closing time is 2 a.m. So how do you feel about that in terms of, do you ever feel like you're missing out on anything in terms of a 
So in Dublin, you can go till three or half three sometimes. Um, but um, it's two o'clock here. So yeah, it's two thirty in the weekends. Two on Thursdays um, and Sundays. Yeah, because some nights we don't get people coming into us till one o'clock till the pub slows. Like I can't make my money in an hour and a half. Like I can't do it. Like I'm like I I could bring artists over from I bring a lot of artists from Germany over. Um, they could cost me two thousand euro, and then I'm paying for their flights, their hotel, and I have to make all my money in an hour and a half. Like it's just, it it can't work. Um, it's a really really hard thing for us. We pay our late license to stay an hour and a half later open is 400 quid so I pay nearly two grand a week on late licenses stay open for an hour and a half when people have been drinking in the pubs all day so they're not even coming by and drink so it's just, it just like the late licenses they're bullshit like, those SEOs yeah. SEOs as they're called they are 410 euro plus mm. solicitors fees yeah. for any venue no matter what size they are so if you yeah. have a larger venue or like the Kino and mm. and Cypress Avenue and Every, and Dali and everywhere else has to yeah. say pay the exact same price. Mm -hmm. And actually, you're getting less for it as well here because in Dublin, it's just, in Tengu, for example, where we do our club, mm -hmm. it's 410 euro, but we can open till three. Till three, yeah. So you get a bit extra at least, but yeah. here... So do you ever feel like there's there are there challenges other than that unique to Cork in terms of running a venue, yeah. a late night venue? Um, I struggle to decide whether or not we'd like to be open later or not because... Will people come later to the club anyway? And we'll still have people buying no drink. <laughs> um, we had Jamie play on Saturday and we had people in early and then we made money. But like, um, it's really hit or miss. Um, it's hard to get people in early because people are used to that. People are used to going clubbing as well. I mean, like I've been going clubbing for how many years? So I'm just like, I'm only coming to see the main act. It doesn't matter going in early. Um, the late license fees would be a big thing for us if we could lose those. Um, you can't go in and do them yourself as well. You have to have a solicitor represent you. Um, it's money making. Um, it's, it is really difficult some weeks. But um, I just I struggle to decide whether or not that it, if it would be good or not if we could open later. Um, well, presumably, if you could re remove that financial restriction that you have yeah, every yeah. week, then it would make it a bit easier in order to be able yeah. to open later. And that has a knock-on effect in terms of you can put more, take more chances, book mm -hmm. more DJs, mm -hmm. uh, book less tested DJs as well, you know, yeah. ones that maybe aren't so financially dependent. Yeah, well, I think our problem is that we always book DJs that are less tested. <laughs> um, we we always try to book underground DJs. We're very... Even, even <laughs> I mean, like, locally in terms of developing yeah. uh, people locally, you'd be able to give them more support mm -hmm. slots, longer times, yeah, all that definitely. kind of stuff. So yeah. that would have a knock-on effect in terms of what's happening in Cork directly, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, in terms of, to give us a night then, I'm interested in how uh, the Cork campaign is getting on. I know... The Minister for Culture and Arts, Josephine Manigan, has been talking a lot about uh, the likes of Agent of Change. Is where a developer can come in and has to be. It's the onus is on them to soundproof uh, a building that exists if it's a dance venue or a venue existing venue. She's also been talking about staggered closing times as something that's been positive, and she's also indicated her early support for the nightmare. Now these are all just things she said currently, which we will have to hold her to, but. How has the reaction been to the Give Us Night campaign in Cork? Um, it's actually been kind of lukewarm, unfortunately. Um, and, like, obviously, Hope, Hope has been heavily involved um, with the campaign since the start. Um, but I found, again, that brings me back to, the, back to my point again, that 
the, some of the main stakeholders in the city are over the ages of 50. And they have, they're publicans. They don't want things to change. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about Joe here. Joe has been um, incredibly supportive as well, wherever he can, wherever he, he could be over the years. But I'm talking about other people. They don't. They're they're making their money. They don't care, and they they seem to be blinded to the fact that a busier city centre, if everybody, if everybody uh, opened up a dialogue between all the different stakeholders. Um, that this could contribute to a busier city centre, a more vibrant city. And um, we've seen better response in Galway, Limerick, Waterford. Cork has been kind of lukewarm, surprisingly. Um, and like Joseph Madigan's uh, suggestions, like there is going to be a Cork working group set up, but this needs to include the likes of Hope. Uh, it needs to include Everybody again across the board. It needs to needs to include people from the arts scene, people from the live music scene. It needs to be um, a, a group that's representative of Cork and what the city can, what the what the city, um, what the city has to offer. And as you said, these are all just words for the moment. We'll have to see whether they um, stick to their guns because you know politicians. Yeah. Sunita, from your perspective as somebody who is a, a live performer as well, have you felt um, supported by your city in terms of the infrastructure that's there, the funding that's available to you, have you been able to access anything like that? Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, as I said earlier, like, I think for the most part, artists generally have to be fairly scrappy in terms of finding spaces to practice and just, you know, to develop their art. Um, and in Cork in particular, in like the last decade, I think that that has definitely been the case. You'd have a lot of artists pooling together resources and, you know, myself and the band, for instance, would have pooled resources with the likes of Lyco Emperor and Altered Hours to find a space where we could kind of work on it ourselves to create a practice space and somewhere that we can record stuff. So, you know, you have all that kind of underground scene. You have a lot of support from the likes of, um, you know, Jim and Plugged and, and Gulped that would have facilitated a lot of gigs in the cafe and in the Triscoll and been that stakeholder that kind of like talks to maybe more traditionalists or conservative people in the Triscoll when that was, you know, when that was fully running. That's been, the, you know, that relationship has um, since um, come to to an end and then obviously you have the likes of like you know hope and and steven and daddy like we shot our music video there for instance because we needed a space that had that kind of a slick and demure feel and you know they were very facilitating opening so i think cork on, on the ground we have like a lot of younger people that like have traveled and are into music and stuff like that there is generally a, a sense of trust and a, a sense of support for what you're doing and like you know i emailed you and asked about the music video there wasn't really like a huge amount of questions asked or like a a, a a sense of suspicion, which in other cases where we're like in bigger studies, you kind of have to really like prove that you're a thing and that, you know, that there would be value in, in your being associated with that fan, you know, with that venue. Um, so, you know, Cork represents and, and supports, um, supports its scene where it can, but where you have that kind of closer relationship where you have someone that can at least vouch for like having seen you on the internet or know of you, it's harder, as you say, to kind of cross over to, I don't know, like even the kind of more established pubs and stuff like that, it probably would be harder to try and really sell your merit as a, as an artist unless you have some kind of stats or like, I don't know, or on, on what, what kind of crowd you're going to bring. And 
probably yeah, as as we say, we kind of have to see you know a lot more people working in the council that are under a certain age that have seen other things and see the merit of how you know cultural enrichment in bigger cities or other countries really feeds the actual overall economy of a place to to make that you know argument for yeah. uh, artists. Are there spaces for new music, new artists to develop? At the moment? Yeah, I mean, like, I would say that, like, just, again, in the last six months, I feel like there is, like, more of a stepping stone that I've seen. So, like, from whenever I was living here, a lot of the time you would kind of have dependency on the likes of, you know, Jim in um, Plugged to facilitate a gig. If you're really starting out with something really new and you kind of figure that you're probably going to, like, gig to maybe 50, you know, to 60 or 80 people. And that might be a stepping stone for a DJ or, you know, a, a band or a performer. And, you know, they were well attended. Um, now I think that you know, there isn't as much of a kind of a crazy gap between going from like plugged to let's say Dali because you have the keynote now, you know, and you can really kind of, if you have an established uh, a following, you actually have like a nice kind of medium ground where you can really develop again your you know, your craft and, and your brand or whatever else. And like we're, we're playing here and having our album launch here and that kind of feels appropriate, you know. Um, and so like I kind of see that there's more stepping stones from like the grassroots kind of more niche stuff that might have a smaller following to that medium place to, you know, playing um, in, in Dali and Cypress Avenue now that it's expanded and has like 500 capacity. And I feel like there, there might be a little bit more optimism for an artist space here to kind of say, oh, I can actually develop my um they started a smaller space recently Winthrop Avenue downstairs which yeah. is like an 80 capacity kind of bar yeah space so you could potentially use as a new artist even too. again yeah. yeah yeah so there's more places so. like that so before we had to finish up shortly but if there was one thing you had to finish you had to fix tomorrow you had to implement in order to improve Cork nightlife what would you start with Jamie I'll start with you well, obviously the opening hours, but on a on a different level, um, I would see more dialogue between um, Cork stakeholder, stakeholders and people within the ar artistic industry, um, because um, let's say somewhere like this, somewhere like the Kino is amazing. It feeds into um, the greater spectrum of nightlife and night culture in Cork between there, Dali, Cypress Avenue. If we could have more of that, more small venues, uh, you know, a genuine industry and a genuine uh, community working together, um, I think it, it, would just, it would just benefit the city, not just for us, the people living here, but for the people visiting. Do you think there's much support in terms of people talking to each other in terms of promoters or venues? Like, are they, do they talk? It's gotten it's gotten better. It certainly has gotten better in recent years. And I might have sounded overly negative earlier on when I was talking about politicians and guards, but um, That's okay to be skeptical. <laughs> <laughs> we don't matter. Um, no, I think in the it, there has been there's been positive signs in the last two years especially. And um, but in order to move this forward, I think we need to get political actually. I think we as a community we're responsible for um as for the, we're responsible for our own or for our, our own scene as artists to move this forward and now now is the time to get pol political and not rest on our laurels not uh leave it to the give us tonight campaign to uh push this forward um because there's only a handful of people there doing that and they have too much work on there we as a community in cork need to push this forward and improve our city Okay. Sunita, if there was one thing you would change? 
Yeah, right I mean, now. if Midnight I had a magic tonight. wand, I think to your point, I think that we'll be, uh, I think for me, the, the ideal state would be where you could actually have conversations with business people that could also like push the agenda forward, you know, on, on behalf of artists yeah. or alongside artists to kind of say, actually, we have the demand for this and we see the monetary value for this, because I think in politics, as far as Ireland's concerned, often money speaks. Um, and I think that like it would be ideal if you could have like a business person say, hey, like what spaces are you not using? And can we kind of come to some agree, you know, agreement where you have like subsidized rent uh, for this person to, you know, use the space, create an attractive element to it, create a scene, create a bit of industry for you. And at a point that you find that there's another function that's corporate for it, yeah. shift them onto another space, like enable for them to have somewhere to actually land and be able to expand and do what they need to do versus, you know, just creating this scenario where um, artists just often have to like either, you know, do things at home or just feel that they're uh, pushed towards moving to other countries where that there's a, a bigger yeah. infrastructure. I for think them. you should be the nightmare. Me? I, think, yeah, I, I, I just, I see it. I uh, see it happening. Uh, yeah, I could have a, a whole like night slayer nightmare kind of thing. Going yeah, on. absolutely. I, yeah. You, you have my vote. And one of the things we've seen in, in Dublin, in the Dublin City Council recently, is that a lot of developers uh, by the councillors have been told, you know, in a, in a planning application, they have to put in some sort of cultural space. And often that ends up translating as somewhere they're just ticking a box. So for example, yeah. one of the examples I heard recently uh, was a place that was opening up a cafe and they just called it culture. Just to, just to you know, take the box for their cultural offering. Yeah. Are so, you serious? Yeah. Um, yeah That's yeah. horrendous. Now, apparently the application never went through and it never happened, but that was yeah. that was their answer for culture. So yeah. if you're dealing directly with developers, you've got to make sure that they, first of all, they don't even understand what that is. They don't even know. And you just think, yeah. well, culture, I'll just call the cafe culture. It'll be fine. <laughs> be fine. So you have to watch for that kind of stuff. But certainly, yeah, there's a lot more talk about, there's some uh, artist studios going with the pool bag. As part of a major development, and it's the Dublin City Councillors that are holding them to that, making sure that they are putting that into application, and they won't be accepted until it's done and built. We need Cork City Council to do the same as well, though. We need um, the council has been very um, uh, just hasn't refused to engage with our campaign here, and um, this is something we need. We need to start talking to these people. And saying that you're not going to get our votes if you don't do something about this. And we're going to call you out on it if you don't do something about this. Um, because they seem to be blind to the you know, blind to the fact that it's harming the city. So we need to Yeah, it seems like I was another thing that I would say is that if you're talking to those kind of people, is offer them solutions as opposed to Tell me, point the finger because the more solutions you can offer, the more likely they are to be uh, listening to what you have to say. Um, sure, definitely yeah. hold them accountable, but mm. try and go in with solutions and uh, first and uh, show them how they can benefit the city, which is part of the whole nightlife economy thing about like safety. Uh, you know, representatives on the streets late at night who can point tourists say in Dublin uh, to different places, uh, public more better public lighting, twenty four hour transport, all these kind of things add up to uh, an improved safety of the city and any politician can get behind stuff like that do you know so it's yeah. reframing that debate a bit more about you know yeah. here's how we can improve um, the city overall well just look look at the give us the night website there are so many examples of how this has been done safely and successfully in other cities and um there are so many solutions that we can bring to that we can bring to them i won't start listing them out now because we'll be here until 12 o'clock at night and i think 
well, I need to go play a DJ set, but um, so I need to get out of here. But um, no, it's just look at the Give Us a Night website. It's not just about, and I'll reiterate it again, it's not just about people wanting to rave all night. It's about building a better Ireland for the 21st century with a nighttime economy, nighttime culture, and spaces for artists and creators of all kind. So, agreed. Um, Hope, final word to yourself, uh, if there was one thing you'd change uh, at midnight tonight, what would you do? Um, I think I'd like to see more spaces in the city, um, like you were saying, smaller spaces. Um, just like for artists, like you were saying, for people to be, like there's no spaces like for people to rehearse, um, especially for like younger DJs as well. Um, there just needs to be more creative spaces everywhere. Um, there's nothing in the city like it. There's not um, like more like we were running, me and my husband were running um, an art space. Um, I'd like to see more of those kind of places, more pop-up warehouses, um, more young people um, trying to do those things and not being afraid of doing them because I think people are so scared of how to do it and keep pushing doing those interesting things in the city because like, it's such like an amazing, talented, like, creative city. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.